When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay. <laughs> That was spot on, huh? Recording in progress. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Scientifically Speaking. Today, I have a wonderful, beautiful guest. Her name is Carol Lamb. Oh my gosh, I'm literally spitting all over the mic. All right, so Carol Lamb is a Boston-based content creator and BU alumna. BU is Boston University. She recently left her research tech role and is oh my gosh I'm literally illiterate, illiterate. let me backtrack this is literally the behind the scenes so she take, re- take your time <laughs> <laughs> you're like a mom you're like all right all right son take take your time sound it out <laughs> I'm very very patient it's all good and also like I'm such I fumble my words so much while I will be in your position in the future. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> okay anyway so Carol Lamb Carol recently left her research technician role and is ready to spill the motherfucking tea on her experiences. All right, Carol. So the first thing that I noticed about you when, before even joining this little Zoom call, was that your last name is Lamb. I immediately looked on your resume and your LinkedIn. I stalked your LinkedIn. You are Vietnamese American. Yes, I am. And I'm like... Bitch, I'm gagged because I don't see a lot of Vietnamese people in labs and research. So to see like another fellow Vietnamese person, oh my gosh, kudos to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. You are amazing. Actually, I never thought of that before, but it's so true because I don't know if you've like seen this like study or data on this, but I remember in high school or something, like they were talking about like, whatchamacallit, like I guess like equality or like distribution of representation in like colleges mm-hmm. and stuff. And I think it was something like 50% of Vietnamese people don't have a college degree. And even though you would think like, oh, like all the Asians are like doctors, lawyers or whatever, prominent roles, there's still disparities within the Asian community about like how some people just aren't, don't have right, education. Right. That so, is so true. But I wonder what's the breakdown of that study because is it like immigrants? I don't know if your parents are immigrants. Mine are. So that yes, they, mine are. <laughs> ooh. But I wonder if like that 50%, if that includes like our parents, like their generation, or is it like a specific breakdown of, okay, I'm going to backtrack. With us, I always get confused. With us, are we first generation or second generation immigrants? If your parents immigrated here, then you're first generation. If your grandparents immigrated here, you're second generation. Okay. That makes sense. That means your parents were first generation, but your kids, if you have kids, will be second generation. I'm asking because I had a meeting with a film film producer last week and he's Japanese American. 
And I think he said that within Japanese and Chinese culture, if if like the parents came here, they're like the zero generation, and then、mm. their children are the first generation. Something、mm-hmm. like that. I'm probably butchering it.、And、you know what that reminds you of? It's like in、what? Europe when they tell you like the first one、oh, is four、oh. zero, and、yeah. then and then、yeah. and then like you book an Airbnb and it's like, oh, your apartment's on the third floor.、You're、like, wait, bitch, I have to walk up four、yes. flights or, of stairs. Or you know, like in Vietnam, the age when you're born, you're I think already like a year old. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's kind of like that concept too. But also another thing, when you mentioned like the the floors. At Boston University, is it like very hilly? Um, honestly, Boston University is like a big strip. Like we're on like a busy road, basically.、Oh, oh. It's like very spread out. I don't know if you, have you ever been to Boston? No, I haven't been to a lot of like the northeastern states. I've only、oh, been to. Oh, I see. I feel、I've、like one day to... you you gotta because it's like a huge biotech. You know. I want to. I want to so bad, but here's the thing: I hate the cold. I hate the cold so much. I hate the cold. I think I remember hearing you say this. Yes, on, I know.、Um, I know. Of, of <laughs> oh my gosh! It's like full circle. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I noticed you didn't post an episode last week. Oh no! <laughs> I'm getting called out. I'm getting called out. Okay, by、I'm、the kidding, time I was like, I was like, oh no, am I the bottleneck? I, like, <laughs> I should have like booked it, like earlier. I wasn't really doing anything last week. But no, I, no, no, no. I, I like started I, a new job, so I was like, "Oh, like I don't know, what, like what the vibe is like." My first no,、week. I actually have a a couple episodes queued up. Well, I have a lot of recordings queued. I just have to edit mm, them, and that editing takes time. Okay, so Carol knows this, but for those that are listening, um, yeah, these recordings like are, are about forty five minutes long, but these these actual conversations, like the raw audio footage, is about. An hour and ten minutes long, but I say a lot of like ums, yeahs, like <laughs> literally, and I have to go back and edit them out. And then sometimes I also will talk over the guests and vice versa. I edit either edit or mute mute us out, and so that takes a quite a while. So even though the recording is like an hour long, I spend hours because I also procrastinate. Hours editing these podcasts, and so last week it was a really, really crazy week for me. Hold on, let me pause my Slack notifications because my lab is going insane right now. Well, in forty minutes they're gonna grab dinner for、uh, one of my colleagues' birthdays, and so I was like, "They're like, Darian, you're going right?" And I was like, "I'm gonna be going, but I'm gonna be a little late."、And、they're like, "Why?" And I'm like. Recording the podcast, you know about the podcast too. And they're like, "Okay, we totally understand." So I was like, "Okay,、so、yeah." Are you I mean, close、uh, with your lab mates? With this lab, yes, I am very close. I am very, very close to this lab. I was really close with the lab members, my previous lab, but we bonded over how much we disliked how stressed we were from the lab and how much we disliked the managing style. And I feel like that's probably not the best way to start a friendship. A lot of our core memories. Where I feel like are tainted with some of the stress and some of the bad memories from you're like trauma bonding. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And with this lab, we are not trauma bonding. We are like building genuine friendship and connections. And not saying that I didn't do that in my previous lab, but you know, what, like it's it's more positive. That's what I'm trying to say. And I'm sure like you have a lot of interesting stories from your previous. Oh my god,、so、my voice. Many. Oh god. Oh. Okay. Like. <laughs> 
Let me get ready. Let me mentally get ready because I am a little <laughs> thirsty. I'm a little parched. Ugh, I need some. I gotta tea. say, some of your previous, like your first few episodes, when it was getting really juicy, I just like I turned the volume up. <laughs> like I'm ready to hear what your guests have to say. And like I think it was your first episode, your friend Jesse. Like when she's when you cut in, we're like, oh, I have to edit this out. I was like, no, because it was like I mean I've had those experiences, and it's so relatable. And I was like, yes, you need to like. I think what I love with your podcast is like it highlights like so many issues that like you know as undergrad or like you know like when you're an undergrad and you want to like work in healthcare and stuff and like you're like bright-eyed and you know shiny and new and you don't like really know like what's expecting you're a little naive like like this is so important because you know we're (laughs) exposing these hoes who are trying to exploit young children for like labor okay yes 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 (laughs) a lot of PIs I feel like can take advantage of undergraduate students knowing that some of these undergrads can work for free or like work for class credit and so though in some type of way can and probably will blackmail or like really push students oh well if you don't do this then I'm gonna give you a b in this class but like so, you know that they care a lot about their gpa like yeah, you know, at the end of the day like let's not let's you know not play ourselves like numbers yeah, matter like we yeah trying to go to med school, so. exactly PIs know what like can really hurt them and we'll use that to and hang it over their heads well you want this you gotta you gotta stay later you gotta do this was your previous lab like that so let me say up top (laughs) that I think my PI is a good person okay Mm -hmm. and like I think that you can think someone's a good person but also have disagreements about their management skills and their management style yes 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 yeah and it's like it's hard because it's like I love him as a person but there's just like certain things that are like his weaknesses and like stuff that I would change personally um and like you know at the end of the day like it sucks because it's like when your management you know what's the I don't know what the correct word for this is but like when your management falls short like Mm -hmm. you're the one as like an entry-level employee like you know you get you get the short end of the stick most of the time oh yeah yeah or all of the time (laughs) I'm I'm being generous I think and that's like tough because it's like you see the most because you're like at least like for for me like I worked in a clinical lab so I basically ran the daily operations and yeah. like that. there was uh, like some drama. Can I don't we, know. Was, can we, can we talk about some of the drama right now? Uh, yeah. Well, okay. Wait, did I go into like what specifically what research I did? Maybe. Oh no, I'm, we're like, okay. I'm just, I am like, literally I'm just like, I want the team now. Okay. I'm just, yeah. I'm just trying to make your editing life a little easier. Cause then it's oh, like, okay, no. these stories are not relevant. If I don't oh no. I, it's literally wherever this conversation goes, it goes whatever way it wants to. So I went to Boston University. I graduated in 2019. Um, I did some undergrad research Mm -hmm. at a, you know, at a local hospital within the city. I can't disclose which one, Um, but it it was a neuro lab and I worked. Say their names. Say that. I'm just kidding. I'm (laughs) kidding. (laughs) I can't expose them like that. um... Expose them. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kidding. But yeah. And um, it was a neurology lab and it was a sleep study lab. So basically Mm. like I was doing stuff like perfusions and like slides and doing like microtome stuff. But honestly, like. This is a mouse model? Mouse model? Yes. Ooh, yeah. okay. We, I love, I love, love, love mouse perfusions. It's just so fun. Okay. I know that sounds oh so, God. that sounds evil. We sound, but... Yeah. Yeah. We sound sick if we sound 
say stuff like that but as scientists like we know what's up I, I yeah I yeah but honestly, though, I think after working that lab, I realized that, you know, maybe working with mice was not my thing. Because the thing is, like, what people don't tell you, like, in undergrad is, like, you got to clean the cages. You got to feed oh. them. And, like, since we were, like, studying sleep, like, you got to be up in the middle of the night doing, like, injections, oh, and, you know. And, yeah, like, yeah. I remember I spent a lot of time, like, building, like, little teeny tiny electrodes to, like, put on the mouse's Mm-hmm. skull to get like their like emgs like mm-hmm. the electro waves or right, whatever right, to yeah, like yeah. look at their sleep patterns and i was doing stuff like analyzing their like brain waves and stuff but uh-huh. honestly like i was just an undergrad student so i'm sure they gave me like random busy work <laughs> and, yeah. and i was thinking that it was really important at the time probably not i feel you i feel yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until i started my current job i mean no like, not my current job but my my last research job that i realized yeah. i was like wait my uh, colleagues who are like more senior than me spilled the tea. They were like, low key, we don't want undergrad students because <laughs> it's like they make more work for the lab. And I don't think people know that. Training undergraduate students, and I don't blame undergrad students at all. It's just, it's part of the process. Training or just training anyone in the lab takes a long time. If you want them to be a successful scientist, a lot of training is required. A lot of time is required. And so whenever I had undergrads or I had to train other research technicians, like I would develop my own protocols, teach them the protocols and also like teaching the concept as to why. And also just like giving advice and tidbits for every step of the way. If they spend a lot of time training you, it's because they care about you because they genuinely care. And they also want to make sure that you're doing the right thing and that you don't mess up. But I feel you like a lot of time was just taken out of the day to really train new undergraduate students and new people in the lab. Yeah, that was just that's just a sidebar because it's it's I just remember like being an undergrad and just like feeling like, oh, like this is so cool or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not that not that science isn't cool. Science is always cool. <laughs> but it's just like the truth is, is like if something's really important to your PI, odds are they're not going to give a kid like. Mm-hmm. said experiment or like said yeah. important sample. well i guess it depends you know? on the pi as well it depends on the pi at the institution that i'm at right now there are a lot of like wonderful pis that really genuinely do trust the undergraduate students here then again like this school is very their undergraduate program is very very good um it's a private university and i'm sure i'm almost certain no i mentioned it in my my previous episodes yeah i go to rice university I don't go here. I'm lying. I work at Rice University and the undergraduate students here are like phenomenally smart. They're up here. And when I was an undergrad, like I'm like bottom of the barrel, like they're incredibly no, smart. Sure that's not true. No, Mary. that that's that's the reality of it. And I'm not I'm just being realistic. I'm just being honest. So my my take home message is, guys, if I'm bottom of the barrel and I'm able to work my way up, then all y'all have potential. All y'all have potential. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like I think, I think it really does depend on like the institution and the PI. But I think in your lab, you know, maybe your PI just has like maybe perhaps, I don't want to say trust issues, but perhaps they wanted to allocate specific projects to like Mm -hmm. the more senior, the higher ups, Mm -hmm. um, which I I can, I can kind of. was nice about the lab that I worked in in undergrad was that like there would be times where like the postdoc would be like hey like I'm gonna give you a task but I'm just letting you know like RPI is expecting it to be perfect because this is actually something that like it's gonna might end up in a paper or something like that well that's that's very that's that's very nice of them yeah 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 so there wasn't always that but I would say like if I'm being honest like the majority of the time um the things I was doing um like was definitely just 
like a little bit of busy work or like just mm-hmm. to teach me yeah um, skills and stuff which is like still important you know yeah. but anyway like I learned from that experience that like yeah mouse work can be quite gruesome not very glamorous mm-hmm. which is cool but like I think like many people like mm-hmm. who want to work in healthcare like if you ask any of one of my friends like from mm-hmm. the time I was like little I've always said that I wanted to be a doctor so mm-hmm. like I always like imagine like working hey, with people you and me and, both like, you and me both <laughs> it's, it's more, more like a part of my trauma <laughs> I feel like um, maybe there's like this within the Vietnamese uh, American community like with us being children of immigrants maybe there was like this underlying pressure to pursue um, a doctorate's degree or pursue a master's or engineering or law degree definitely I felt that pressure growing up did you feel that pressure growing up yeah kind of so like it's tough because like they my parents never outright said like oh like you have to be a doctor or something but like I just I do remember one time I was like oh like what if I go to business school or something like that and they were like oh my god like that's so risky all this stuff but it's like to us we're like oh like you're just you work on nine to five and you work in an office like that seems safe to me but like mm-hmm. to what like my Asian parents think of business now they think of like like stockbrokers or people yes who like, yes, or yes like investors you know what I'm yes, saying and they yeah. think like I'm like whatchamacallit uh who is it Leonardo DiCaprio from freaking yeah. Wolf of Wall Street or I something think, that's what they think yes but. I think whenever they have like um a specific idea of an occupation they think of like the the general stereotype uh when i told my my mom that i wanted to study theater in undergrad for some reason you know that movie you know um in crazy rich asians when they uh when the twins they find out nick and and rachel are kissing do you have you seen crazy rich asians i have i have okay, okay. I, like it honestly like it's funny because this is like the sixth crazy rich asians reference that i've heard this week and i'm like <laughs> i'm drawing a blank at this <laughs> like, just it's, explain it yeah it's um and then we, they find out that nick is dating this girl rachel and so the twins they text it whoever and then that the message yes, all over like singapore and it's like a game of telephone well it was like that in my family and by the time i got home for thanksgiving break word got out that i apparently I wanted to quit undergrad. I wanted to quit college to become a Broadway actor. That was that was a story. I'm like, no, I wanted to study theater because I just genuinely am interested in this in this topic and I just want formal training. I have no desire to pursue a career in the arts, but I just want the learning. But I mean, I think I think unknowingly I've been using my my theater degree for a lot of things. Going back to your story before the immigrants, we were talking about Oh, we're talking about the pressure of like having to, you know, be a doctor or whatever. It was, like, it was before it was, that. Like, in the... It oh, was bef- okay. Yeah, it was I before. Know. I know. Oh, oh my God. I literally oh. do this every episode because it's like, it keeps like branching off that we. It's I okay. Keep... But I do have something to add though to our that conversation. But yeah. like, I truly feel like growing up, like my parents, the three occupations they think exists is like doctor lawyer engineer yes 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 I (laughs) one of those three things you're about to be homeless (laughs) yes I was like I you don't even have to mention those I already know I know what you're about to say I know it yeah it's so and it's and and honestly like my parents like never said explicitly like you have to be a doctor but like they always were like you need to do well in school like I don't want to see no Mm -hmm. c's but like b's like that's no um my mom too she never blamed blatantly said I need to become a doctor but you can just kind of get the gist like if you want to do something else like there's always like a little nudge of like are you sure like 
if I said I wanted to pursue something sciencey, which I genuinely did want to do, it's like, you're doing the right thing. Okay. And so it's kind of like that nudge, nudge. Let me try to. Yeah. It's like, um, what right you call it? Pavlov's conditioning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fun like, fact. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Fun fact. Fun fact. I just got a dog. Well, I got a dog like a month ago. Oh, yeah. I've and, seen, uh, I've seen on your stories. <laughs> and I was going to name him Pavlov, but people didn't like the name because I guess it's not. I guess it's not a cute name. So his name is Helix. And I love Helix so much. So what I'm saying is everyone get a dog. Everyone get a dog. (laughs) You said that the seniors in your lab will like give you a heads up of, hey, make sure you do this correctly because it's very important. You cannot fuck it up. You got to do it correctly. (laughs) Did that make you feel nervous? Did that ruin? I guess not ruin, but like did that taint your your interest in the lab? I guess no. Like I've always been someone that like handles pressure really well. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Like you, you brought up theater, but I'm just gonna bring up the fact that like I like my background. I've like a really long, extensive background of like playing classical music, where it's like <gighs> you gotta perform. Like you know, what I'm saying yeah. I've been in recitals, yeah, orchestras and concert bands and stuff. And it's like yeah, I had solos and like all that kind of all that kind of stuff. Whoa, like, that's so cool. That's so- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like really dorky, but yeah. like honestly, if no. I was doing something very conventional, like working in science, like my parents are like, she's gonna like go to Berkeley College of Music and like be like a classical oh. pianist or something. And like that's like the other thing my parents really thought I was gonna do. But it's yeah. like, but I guess they co-signed it because I felt like I had like natural talent for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly but I, I I felt like I was good because like same thing with this being a good student like I'm just super disciplined like I always practice and like mm. because I knew I was kind of good at it it wasn't a painful process for me to practice you know I yeah. really trying to do it but like honestly like I didn't like I wouldn't say that I was passionate about it though you know what I'm saying like it was mm-hmm. just like built into like the programming yeah yeah and <laughs> so you like Asian but yeah. you've been able to handle pressure at a very young age and you've been able to cope with it as well yeah, I would say like I had well, although okay, so I feel like I got derailed a little bit like talking about my history, but yeah, like I like uh, went to BU, did some undergrad research, but I would I have to be honest and like during my junior year, I would say I was starting to feel like quite burnt out, burnt mm-hmm. out, and like I feel like that's a common thing that oh no yeah we're pre med, so yeah. I feel like I at that point I started like like questioning things a little bit I was like okay like like but I can handle the pressure like you know I've done this for two years like I can just finish my degree and like see Mm -hmm. ride the waves you know yeah yeah and and then um that quarter life crisis right that quarter life crisis after you graduate yeah which is normal which is normal yeah yeah and honestly like I was like so burnt out that I was like I feel like I can't study for the MCAT right now because like at that point I really like thought I was going to go to med school I was like oh like I just feel so overwhelmed like I'm not going to study for the MCAT right now and also like I feel like if I feel burnt out now if I go straight into med school or something Mm -hmm. like this is like you know a recipe for disaster right girl we we love a queen (laughs) who prioritizes her mental health we love that we love that yeah it was yeah I felt like it was the right decision for me so yeah I graduated from BU and I was like okay like what do I do to buy myself some time to make this decision or Mm -hmm. like figure myself out because I was still like being oh like do I want to do MD do I want to do PhD do I want to do MD PhD yeah um and that's why I got a job as a research technician at said large hospital in Boston that I can't name drop you and I both shared a similar path um I feel like I mentioned this in my previous episodes, but I, I'm not entirely sure. After graduation, 
mostly it was senior year in college and a little after graduation. I just like went through this quarter life crisis of it was either going to grad school or going into med school uh, through the MD PhD route and took my MCAT twice. Got a 507 and 507 is like average. In my opinion, it's not like up to MD PhD standards. Mm -hmm. And so I just did not want to take it a third time. And so I've heard of stories of like people going into medical school and trying to like weave their way into the PhD program. So not necessarily like apply through the Mm -hmm. MD PhD program, but just like apply as MD and then talk to the, the graduate school and try to ask to add PhD to the track. But I think working as a research technician also bought some time to like really take a step back and think about while your, your mind is kind of, I want to say like on autopilot, but like there's a security of, okay, I'm a research tech. I have a job. I am somewhat financially stable, but now I have time to think about what I want to do in the future. And so there is some mental and financial stability of working as a research tech. And so that's what I did for, for a couple of years. Is your path like kind of similar to that too? Yes, exactly the same. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's the fact that we're both Vietnamese American. I telling know. you. No, this is why I'm telling you. I, I was like, I've never met this kid. Obviously, I followed I followed you for a really long time, but I was like literally, I feel like I know you and I'm like, we have so many things in common. I was like, we're the same person. Okay. It's very rare, like I said, to find another another Vietnamese person in research. And it's also it's just very shocking to see that we have a lot of similarities. And I wonder if there are other people that's not Vietnamese that have followed the same paths as us. I'm just overwhelmingly shocked and happy. Wow, okay. Also, another similarity, the labs we worked in as a research tech was really toxic. I feel like your experience is an extreme. I would say like if yours is a 10, mine is like a 7.5, Okay, okay. I should not take that back because you did mention that your PI is like a good person, but it's the managing style that you did not agree with. Right. Maybe, maybe I'm still processing the trauma. Yeah. Because um, I literally just- <gasps> Wait, you, so you, and I, be- you and I are very similar, like- at the time when I was going through that lab, I didn't know that it was bad until like I look back now and I'm like, dang, like it's actually pretty traumatic to a point where a lot of things do trigger me. And it sounds like, I don't know, I when I tell my current lab members about a lot of my experiences in my previous lab, they they all agree that it's toxic. But I think there are times that I'm like, I don't want to mention too many things that that trigger me because I'm afraid that it would come across as like like poor me or like yes exactly yeah Yeah. exactly i hate i hate 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 the slack notification sound of course we use slack and like you know what slack is right yes yes. okay my old pi had like the specific tone and every time i hear that tone i just think of my old lab and it really is like pavlov i'm just like oh oh my god triggered okay this is like the common theme yes (laughs) yes conditioning i hate the fact that we had to bring up that that science fact and also we had to memorize it for the mcat too so i know know. psychology it's like um, what they say like um kind of like doctors are the worst patients because they're always like trying to diagnose themselves and like you want me to know what's wrong with me Oh, okay. Wait, this this brings me up to another point. Okay, uh, when I was a, when I was like a freshman or sophomore in college, I still swam, but I didn't swim competitively. Despite not swimming competitively, I still like shaved my entire body. I so I swam throughout high school. I swam competitively. Wait, this through- is another connection because I was also a swimmer, <gasps> oh, shut and, the but fuck I did it competitively. Up. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, when so I was I, young though. Yeah. 
you know, I swam competitively through high school. And so I'm already like used to shaving my entire body. Uh, when I was a sophomore or freshman in college, I still like continue shaving my entire body. I learned the hard way to never leave your razor blade in the shower because obviously things can grow in the right conditions. I like shaved my like little happy trail around my belly button. These pimple like structures just started forming around my belly button, like four, four pimple, like the, the walls of these, like, I guess little bubbles were just so thin that they would just easily pop. I didn't think so much about it. I thought it was, just they were just pimples. And then after like a week and a half went by and they would just weren't healing. In fact, they just kept getting worse and bigger. So I started Googling, like, what is happening? And I remember I came across, okay, it's either this or this. I forgot what the first one was, but I was like, it's either this, A, or folliculitis. And it's probably the second one, but I'm not too sure. So then I went to the school campus nurse, not nurse, but um, we had like a little, uh, uh, like, a, what do you call it? Like a doctor's office, I guess. And Like urgent care or like student health. Yeah, student health. That's what it is. I was talking to my, my doctor, I guess. And she was going to like, tell me what it is. And I was like, uh-uh, I want to see if I'm correct. Is it, it's either A or it's either folliculitis, right? She's like, you're pre-med, aren't you? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, but I just, I just want to make sure that like, you know, that maybe my critical thinking skills are, are up to par. I just want to, just for my own, my own sake, I just want to know if, if it's correct. And she's like, well, you're right. It is folliculitis. It can't be A because of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So then she just like prescribed me antibiotics and then it went away in two days. And now I have, I have scars and those little dots. I'm a little insecure now to even like shave that area. So like I let a a little happy trail kind of cover the scars. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If 
the recording is kind of long you could always do like two parts if it really comes yeah. down to that but you know i i ended up doing that with my my next guest not next one well I'm going to publish an episode this upcoming Sunday, hopefully, fingers crossed. And with her, we had to record two times because the first time she was like, okay, like I really shat on our old lab, so I can't, let's redo it. I was like, okay, no way. Oh man, no girl, I live for that. (laughs) Okay. I'm kidding. I totally understand. (laughs) So the thing, I think the thing with like billing tea about our previous labs, specifically with me and my former colleagues, is that we do want to share our experiences together and kind of let everyone know that this is how academia is. This is how some labs can be, but it's tough because I know that some of them don't want to burn bridges in any type of way with my former PI or just anyone that is associated with my old PI. And I know that a lot of researchers at that institution listen to this podcast and I know that they're talking about this and there's only... I don't want to completely tell everything because mm-hmm. even though I did have some traumatic experiences in that lab, just like you, I don't think my PI is entirely like a bad person. I think her managing style could be a little bit improved. And I always try to give PIs the benefit of the doubt that they're just under a lot of stress and sometimes grant money is running out and they need to publish more papers. Now I'm trying to justify that pushing and bullying and blackmailing the students is, is okay. Not, not in any way, but I can understand the pressure they're going through, but there's a better way to deal with it. You know, my current PI, he is just so wonderful. He is so open and transparent with all of us. He believes that if, if grant money is running out, I think that also builds a closer bond with the lab. If you're able to just be so open and transparent rather than trying to be very, what I guess, like egotistical and maintain this this power this hierarchy i can't be vulnerable with my lab like i don't agree with that and i think my previous pi did kind of do that she had the dp5 i understand there's like a lot of pressure with that grant the time that i left it was funding my project she was a little stressed out to hear that i I wanted to leave i was just gonna say like because i've noticed that you like interviewed a lot of your friends that's probably why like the stuff keeps coming up you're like oh my god you remember when this happened and you go yeah very passionate it's like you because like you don't even have to explain that much to these people like they know exactly whatever story you're talking about but Mm -hmm. i feel like as you bring on more guests and stuff like you can kind of like dilute that and it won't it won't feel like you're only you know shitting on your lap you know what i'm saying yeah at the end of the day like my take on it is that if you can't handle hearing what someone's story is or the their truth i feel like that's more reflection on you than mm. something that someone else is saying about you yeah and like if you're not self-reflective enough to be like okay maybe that's like really is what happened or like how they saw it then you know that person might be you know playing into their ego yeah. more than yeah. they want to admit i think like you should also like like maybe reiterate that like pe- good people can do bad things you know like it's oh just, yeah it's not exclusive so Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So like I mentioned, I work at said large institution yeah. in Boston that I can't name drop, but um, I worked there for three years. And honestly, it was quite a ride. I worked there like all through before COVID, during mm-hmm. COVID, after COVID. Well, I guess like it's still like after COVID, yeah. but it's still a little fuzzy, you know, if it's yeah, really yeah. over or not. I feel like I've seen my lab in like so many different phases and I was, mm-hmm. I really feel like 
I implemented a lot of good things. And like, like I said, up top, like I love my PI as a person. Like, I don't think that like his management skills is like reflection of him as a person. Mm -hmm. It's just like, just some, some shit goes, (laughs) goes down. When you said like, oh, like there's kind of pressure to perform and there's grants and money involved. Mm -hmm. I found that really interesting because like, since I worked in a clinical lab at, you know, a a big institution, like Mm -hmm. money was never an issue in my lab that like never Mm -hmm. crossed anyone's mind because my PI was a part of a lot of projects and it was kind of like uh, an area of like a what's that word contempt yeah of area of contempt of some of my colleagues who felt like they were a little overworked because like Uh my PI definitely wanted to like you know use his resources as in people and like spread them a little thin you know yeah 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 um and I feel like maybe that has to deal with him believing like oh I I don't know if I mentioned this, but he is a clinician. Like he's a, you know, an MD. Yeah. So like, ha- like my PI he's... too. She was yeah. MD PhD. Oh, okay. okay, cool. Yeah. He is too, actually. I forgot about that. <laughs> anyway. Holy shit. We have a lot of similarities. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But like, so his responsibility was not only being a PI, it, it was also mm-hmm. being a doctor, like covering yeah. clinics. And like mm-hmm. that made his presence, like not like that much compared to a lot of other labs that were just you know solely focused on research mm-hmm. and so like honestly like after I was trained for like maybe two three months I was on my own like I was like not no supervision oh, <laughs> like, she said she said lay miss on my own do you please tell me do you know the reference I've seen Liz Miz, but I don't remember oh, she's like it's by um Asian <laughs> no it's it's a I don't like the Sam Barker version but if you have a chance please listen to the song on my own okay that was really bad with Anne Hathaway uh, like, okay so right? okay so that movie oh gosh uh, okay Hugh Jackman is good Anne Hathaway's good girl Russell Crowe though Russell Crowe um Sam Barker is all right like I think I know she's on Broadway uh but I specifically don't like her rendition of mm. I don't like the songs that she sing in the movie Les Mis but if you have a chance, please, please, please listen to, I believe it's called the 25th anniversary something something Les Mis on Spotify. Okay, it is I so, will. so good. Now that version is really good. But if you want to hear a really good, sexy version of On My Own, search up the French version. It okay. is French, oh God, literally cream. It's just that version <laughs> is so, so, so good. All right. But anyway, backtracking, back, back, right, back, 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 back. What were we talking about? Oh gosh. Management styles. Management. Um, um oh yeah. So after working three months, you're oh, on your oh, own. Right. Right. And like he was literally like never there. And we had a lot of um independence. And honestly, like it wasn't until like a few months in I realized that oh, okay, I guess like this is kind of important to mention. Like before basically the reason why I was hired is because a former lab manager left. And mm. at my institution, the department I worked for, I don't know if this is the same across the board, probably not now when I think about it, mm-hmm. but um, at my institution, like there's not a lab manager role really that exists within an individual lab. Like mm. we have like a floor wide lab manager that handles like shared lab space, but oh, our individual lab technically didn't have a lab manager. I see, I see. Um, what basically our institution, because like basically like the job title didn't exist at the institution mm-hmm. at all for that yeah. level of management. Basically what the expectation was, a research technician would take over 
that responsibility on top of being a research technician. Does that make I sense? see. Yeah. I think also like from lab to lab, the role of lab manager can vary a bit. In my previous lab, lab manager, they handled orders, equipment, supplies, and just like maintaining some things for the lab, like mouse colonies, fly colonies. Are they called fly colonies? Fly stocks, fly stocks. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, fly stocks, uh, maintaining cells, stuff like that. Just like maintenance for some things and ordering some things for the lab, making sure that the lab is able to keep going and keep mm-hmm. doing experiments. What did your lab manager, your floor-wide manager, like what did they do? They were in charge of like managing the space. So like, I'm trying to think of a way to explain this that's not too revealing. Basically, like they were in charge of handling stuff that like the floor would share. For example, like figuring, like I say, like there's like a flow cytometer, some type of piece of equipment that like everyone low key needs. Like this person would be in charge of figuring out how to split a cost between every single lab. Or this person would be in charge of like making sure the dry ice order comes in on times because the whole floor shares that one dry ice. Oh, I see. Or the liquid nitrogen and like manage the liquid nitrogen systems or make sure that there's enough backup freezers if like an individual lab's freezer fails, stuff like that. That's interesting. My previous lab, the person that did all those things were the administrators and we had different levels of administrators. But that's, that's interesting. Wow. So in your lab, what would have been a lab manager in my lab, in your lab, was the research technician. But on top of that, you had to do your own experiments. Yes. Yeah. So like, oh, like I said, like, so she was in charge of maintenance stuff, like for the yeah. whole floor, like mm-hmm. just like emergency situations. Yeah. I see what um, you mean, sure though. Alarms work, whatever, making sure we're in compliance with like fire safety, stuff like that. Right. Low key, the lab manager, I guess like some labs didn't even have a lab manager, but ours did and the one that had left when I joined was there for five years when I joined the lab I was basically replacing the previous lab manager yeah Um, although I was considered like a research technician because basically the remaining research technician became the lab manager because he had been there longer right because he was a senior yeah anyway but the, per- the prior person that I replaced was there for five years. And basically there was already like a status quo already established. Yeah. And they really depended on that one person because five years, that's a long ass time yeah. to be a technician. Oh gosh. Yeah. And so then all the responsibilities are now put on you, but you just joined the lab. Well, not on me. It was, they were put on my, the remaining research tech. Cause there was two research tech. Oh, okay. Okay. I see. One of them left, but that was a lab manager. And then, so then that remaining one became the lab gotcha. manager when okay. I joined. Okay, I see. I gotcha, gotcha. Oh, wow. Right, and this is where the drama starts. <laughs> oh, 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 no. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. So I think in my, yeah, when we were like emailing back and forth, I mentioned like I have a bad coworker mm-hmm. experience story. And this is said coworker. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically I had this coworker who in the beginning, like when he was training me and he was a lab manager, he was, you know, great. Like we got along so well. We like listened to this same music and like, we just could like talk about random stuff. And, yeah. like, you know, he would tell me about his relationship problems and like, we were buddy, buddy. Um, and it was like, fine. Right. Um, and then we would split responsibilities and stuff, but he basically got into a relationship and which like and also since he now was the supervisor like he was more senior to me and like had no supervision he just went off the rails after 
Mm. I had gotten my full training and was slowly like taking on more and more responsibility as I was staying there longer. And, you know, like me being like fresh out of college and brand new, like at my Mm -hmm. entry level job was like always like became like a yes person. Like I was just like, like, oh, you need me to be here and then take the shuttle to the other campus and do this. Like I can do that. I can do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then slowly I just kind of realized that like I was doing like 80% of the work to backtrack a little bit. Like this person would just do the craziest stuff to me sometimes. Like I remember it was his turn to, oh wait, maybe I didn't talk about the type of research I did yet. (laughs) Is it important to the story? It kind of is. Okay, yeah, okay. To explain, As a, then, like, what type of work we were doing where like the time management thing is like. Okay, yeah, yeah. Then, then go for it. Go for it. Yeah, sorry. I didn't go into this quite yet or explain what kind of research we did, but I worked in an allergy lab um, mm-hmm. within a large institution. And it's a food allergy and the immune system, right? Yes, yeah. So we oh, worked yeah. on like a lot of like adjacent topics too like within the lab like microbiome i literally was just going to say that yeah stuff like that and yeah so anyway basically my pi like even though he had his own research projects he was also like a collaborator and mm-hmm. worked with a lot of industry sponsors and so like i mentioned so deadlines are important a- right yes i worked in a clinical lab so what that means is like at one camp, it was kind of a confusing the way our lab was set um, split up because basically our wet lab was in one campus and our like actual clinic where like patients and subjects would come in was yeah. at another campus. Right. So right. like there was a lot of like back and forth um, oh. of like being able to time um, your arrival <laughs> to pick up samples at one location and then come yeah. back to the lab and actually do the processing or like whatever. Oh, I see. Right. But this is important to the story just because punctuality is key. And also like you would, could end up spending a lot of time working like late if you like got stuck in rush hour and stuff like that. Cause yeah. Boston traffic is horrible. Um, mm. like you've mentioned, you've never been here, so you don't know yeah, that. Just... But... <laughs> hey, I think, I think the worst traffic I ever sat through is in LA. And that is probably oh, the, that is yeah, probably, the, probably worse. yeah, that's the number one reason why I don't want to live in LA. I don't like the traffic <laughs> there. I love the weather, love the temperature, but I hate the traffic. Yeah. Like, I don't know, Boston traffic, like there's certain areas of Boston where it's like, there's like only one way to get there. So it's like, huh. if everyone is going, oh, it's like bottlenecking into that one. Yes. Well, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. But anyway, like going back to what I was talking about, like my, my, like lab, my previous lab manager, like would do the craziest stuff to me and be like, it would be his turn to cover like a, a visit in the clinic and like pick up samples and stuff. And he basically would tell me like, oh, like, so I can't do this because um, like I told my girlfriend that I was going to watch a movie with her. And he, <laughs> right. And I was like, it's 3 p.m. Like, it's not even like, you yeah. know what I mean? like some people like work nine to five. And that's like yeah, one yeah, thing yeah. where it's like, if you have to work late, usually that's a schedule worked out, like an agreement mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And I, I and like there have been times where I would just like look at him and be like, what the fuck are you on? Like, yeah, it's not my problem that you right, made a right. date with your girlfriend and yeah. you didn't know your work schedule. Like, that's not my problem. Yeah. And but, how did you deal like, with it? I just did it. <laughs> like, I just was like, okay. No, see, that's <laughs> no, that's that's the first problem. You you if you like are willing to do it, then he knows that he can keep taking advantage of you. But um, it's not your fault. That was because, naive me. That was yeah. like <laughs> yeah. Hey, I feel like we have to go through these things to like learn how to put up boundaries and like 
also uphold our stature and make sure that no one fucks with us yeah. you know or like you know like, i just i really believe in like having good co-worker relationships but like mm-hmm. if, if i could go back and be like okay i'll do this as a favor to you you know what i'm saying mm, i didn't yeah. even like make a deal out of it i was like oh no worries like i'm not doing anything anyway yeah you never ever fucking do that yeah never also never say like if something really is bothering you or if it's a big deal never say like oh no worries it's no big yeah. deal i have i was gonna say i had but i still have that problem of doing like oh, it's okay no big deal and yeah. then i like five minutes later i was like oh gosh like why did i say that like it does yeah. bother me a little but it's yeah. good. whatever 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 and basically in like just building into this too like the reason why and he would do that type of thing to me all the time because he mm-hmm. basically stated to me one time he said my hours carol are 10 to 3 and that's it and i'm just i and like i remember like maybe back back then like i would i thought that that was kind of like unreasonable or unfair but then i was like well he's like been here longer than me and like maybe no. this is just like the way it was yeah, like, yeah. like you would cover shifts or something right mm-hmm. and like but i i was just like too naive or like maybe self-conscious to like ask somebody like hey is this okay like mm-hmm. i don't know like if this is just like what him and the previous lab manager like to what his arrangement was with him mm-hmm. or something but like i guess like because i'm the less senior person i just have to deal with it and make up for the hours that he's not here and just mm-hmm. do everything that's like from three to six which is mm-hmm. kind of unreasonable because we all have lies you all don't yeah. want to be at work after hours or whatever i think um, i think the more that yeah. we we go through these experiences and the longer time that we have to think and dwell on it, we look back and realize like, wow, that's a pretty much fucked up thing that they did. And one thing that um, you just reminded me of what my PI said when I was in her lab, where like I was a research technician and, you know, like we're only required to work for like at most 40 hours and we work overtime. Obviously we get paid overtime, but because I really was trying to like work to build, to publish a paper, I really didn't mind working overtime and, but it came to a point where like I was just working too much and inevitably I, I got burnt out a couple of weeks. I was involved with improv theater and I would leave at like a pretty reasonable, decent time. Like I would come in around eight, 9.00 AM and I'll leave at around 7.00 PM. And when my PI kind of caught on that, I was leaving early, we had like this urgent one-on-one meeting in her office. And she was like, Darian, like, you know, is everything okay? I, I noticed that you've been leaving lab earlier. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm now involved in, you know, an improv troupe. And I just kind of want to do this as a hobby, like extracurricular for fun on the side. And she's like, Darren, like you need to focus on this project. And she was just trying to like force me to stay later. And I was like, well, like I do value this project. I think it's very enjoyable. But at the same time, I do value doing this on the side. And it's fun. It also like relieves a little bit of stress. Because like for her, science is like her whole entire life. And she worked her whole, she worked really hard to get to where she is now. She was a little condescending to hear that like, oh, you're wanting to do something in the arts. Like, wow, like you're not going to get a good career out of that. That was kind of like her attitude. And then the one thing that she said that like that frustrated me so much was, so the research project that I was doing, we were studying a human neurodevelopmental disorder, but I was studying that disorder in a mouse model. Now, this, this project was so important to me because I met a lot of the families that um, have children that are affected by this disorder. And so my PI said, Darian, it's not fair that these children that have this disorder, they have it their entire lives. You 
you need to work on this project. Science isn't nine to five. So why is it fair that they suffer through this disorder their entire lives and you're only working on this project from nine to five? That's not fair for them. I naively bought into that. And I was like, you know, you're right. Like I need to stay later. And it it really Mm -hmm. isn't fair. And these families are depending on me to find the answer. And like, I just, yeah, it's same position as you. Like I just bought it and I was like, I didn't question it or, but now that I look back, it's like, I should have said something. I should have put my foot down, you know? Yeah. so manipulative. That's yes. unbelievable. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's like, I guess like that situation is so hard because like that's your superior. Like that's your boss. Like what are you supposed to yes. do in that situation? Exactly. Yeah. Like at least like for me, like when I'm talking about my coworker, like mm-hmm. it was still an awkward situation because it's like, he's my peer like but he he's kind of senior to me but we get paid the same so you know whatever but it's like hard because like I can't police someone that's my peer also Mm -hmm. you know I don't want to like make this relationship weird I so I just dealt with that dealt with it for several months and basically like I had worked there for like six months maybe or whatever and like in December this kid gets engaged and he's he was like 24 25 at the time and I was like at this time, like I was kind of like, okay, so he's not the greatest coworker, but he's like a nice person. And I like, like him as a person, we're friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, like I, he comes back from getting, I think he got engaged over the weekend in like uh, during a trip that he was on, whatever. And I was, he comes back and I'm like, oh my God, congratulations. Like, it's so, I'm so happy for you, whatever. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I've been like, back in my mind. I'm like, shit, is this going to be another excuse for him to not do work. I was, I started, I started doing the calculations in my mind being like, okay, how do I make up for his shortcomings? Once Mm -hmm. again, horrible Why did I, why am I doing the math for this? Yeah. Anyway, but then, okay. So basically he comes back and he's like, oh, like, so I already spoke to my PI. I asked him for, to have a month off because his fiance is like from Brazil. And like, basically he was going to do like a little like engagement vacation and meet her family and stuff like that mm-hmm. which like I I totally understand and I was on like I said I was already doing 80 percent of the work at mm-hmm. that point so I was like it's fine they just teach me how to do the the 20 percent left over yeah and I will carry on for the month and I in my and like he was basically gonna have a small wedding like very soon and basically I was like okay like after he's married then I'll yeah. confront this issue <laughs> and basically oh, yeah and just to give you a timeline, this is the end of 2019, leading into 2020. You yeah, know yeah. where I'm heading into this conversation. Oh, yeah. The pandemic. The pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So what had happened was it was February, I think. He went uh-huh. on this vacation. Um, and I was I spent that month doing covering every single visit, doing all the experiments, like being like not a complainer, keeping my head down. Like I was like, I'll come, I'll handle this issue when he comes back. Comes uh-huh. back. And he's like, and I asked him, I'm like, oh, hey, like the Monday he came, yeah, the Monday he came back, I was like, oh, hey, like, how was, how was your trip? Like, how did it go? Whatever, meeting the parents and stuff. And he was just like, so my fiance didn't come back with me. And he looks like somewhat distressed. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, like me being the empathetic person I am, I was like, oh my God, like what happened? And like, what's going on? And I think was Trump still in um, office at that time? I think so, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was a little, like, weird to, like, because basically she wasn't a citizen, so it was just, like, kind of, like, 
um a big scene at the airport when she was coming back because they basically like pulled her aside TSA pulled her aside and was like hey your visa is not good like and she basically said something when she was going through customs saying like oh yeah like I'm coming back because I'm I'm getting married and like you know that sets off red flags mm-hmm. to people when you say that at customs and you don't have the right visa a little yeah. tip <laughs> for anyone out there like, hey, i feel like street. as as a vietnamese uh we yes, have relatives yes. we have relatives that are <laughs> we got street smarts okay yeah I school and stuff like this. you don't say nothing you say hi how yeah. are you yeah exactly no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you move along okay but she was a little too chatty okay and mm-hmm. but basically but like on a serious note obviously felt bad for her situation they basically turned her away and said you need to go back to brazil because Oh, this is not my. a correct visa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About you now, I felt, and he explained the situation. They basically interrogated this girl at the airport, um, and it was traumatizing for her. Felt bad for them, obviously, and mm-hmm. he was distressed about it. He basically, they were supposed to get married in March. He had been back for like maybe two weeks, and like asked my PI, like, "Hey, like, is it okay if I take some time off and like do like a leave of absence for maybe three months?" Okay, at that point, I think your PI needs to step in and be like, "Yo, I." You would think you would you you would yeah. think, but you see what happened was he goes, "Okay," <laughs> and that's it. That just point, like just okay, like, he told him okay. Yes, I remember it to this day because it's like a part of my trauma, and it's mm-hmm. also like because like obviously like we we're starting to hear news about COVID like reaching the states and stuff like that mm-hmm. around March ish time, right? Yeah. And so I was kind of like battling a cold that that week and so that's why I. I she got the I virus she got the virus I, I don't know if i did actually <laughs> i might have but anyway i had a cold and so it was like the monday he told me and then i was like so shook i was like okay i need to plot my way and how to have this conversation with my pi because three months that's crazy i was like i've already been working like this entire eight months i've been here yeah. by myself yeah, it was a tough time for everybody, honestly. So I, I vividly yeah. remember the days. I think it was like, like that was the week of March 11th or something. Anyway, so the so basically I remember because I had to basically request like sick days or whatever via yeah. email being like, it's a Wednesday. I think it was March 13th. <laughs> I was like, oh, like I'm going to be off these days because I'm sick, whatever. Yeah. Obviously my coworkers basically, one of my coworkers was woke to COVID like quarantining before I was even, he was like, Carol, you have a stiffly nose, you need to go home. Like he was yeah. like, he yeah, yeah. Um, berated me. But anyway, this is like, not to confuse people. But like, anyway, so I like go home. And I'm like, okay, like I'm going to spend the next few days in the weekend to figure out mm-hmm. what I'm going to say to my PI because like, he's going to think I'm insane for not saying anything for like six, seven months or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, And it's like, it's, it's, I feel like I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not going to lie. Like I grew up like in the Boston area. So I'm like, shit, am I a snitch? Like, am I <laughs> stitches? Okay, am I a tattletale? Like, 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 <laughs> <laughs> am I cool for like, you know, basically no. throwing my coworker under the bus? But I was like, I can't, this is ridiculous. This is what is sending into me that I need to set some boundaries. But anyway, so then like that Friday comes around and we get a company-wide email being like, so the hospital shutting down um non like um uh, non-essential work oh yeah 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 structures yeah, right, right. and stuff do not come in yeah yeah um because like we need to shut down because the country's shutting down basically is what the email said 
Yeah. And then like I feel like the statewide stuff or the nationwide stuff set in like a few days after that, maybe the following Monday or something. Yeah. And I'm like, oh shoot, like, <laughs> you know, maybe like maybe like I'm in the clear because like how can yeah. this person like leave the country now that like the country shutting down yeah right and then so at this point like my lab is in panic we're like what do we do like uh-huh. we have like patients are supposed to come in because the thing is like I work in clinical research right it's just like you don't yeah. just stop giving people treatments because of COVID unfortunately right, right. like we have to figure this stuff out um and so what happened was like they were basically planning on rescheduling some people delaying stuff canceling stuff yeah. or whatever um and like the following tuesday we had like a lab meeting like over zoom yeah and basically um the night before at 11 at not 11 at 1 a.m so technically uh-huh. it's still tuesday yeah <laughs> i we get an email from my lab manager saying uh-huh. I booked a flight tomorrow to go to Brazil and I'm leaving Go- the country. What so, the heck? Yeah. Bye. Oh <laughs> it was, it my was a, gosh. It was a yeah. one sentence email along the lines of that. And with like, I'm sitting there thinking like, what is this guy on? Like, is, is yeah. he not like realizing? He, like, like, how, how is he so employed? That's what I'm, I'm like wondering. Like the thought process right i'm like yeah, the country's like, shutting down like what are you doing <laughs> leaving the country right Ugh. and i don't know what brazil's healthcare looks like or anything like that but i was like this guy's playing oh too gosh, many yeah. games this is why you don't fall in love <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> exactly guys uh if you have a if you're in a relationship break up now that is the take-home message of this episode break up okay you don't need to be in a relationship <laughs> my lab manager basically decided that he wanted to be with his fiance and like console her and stuff mm-hmm. um and left the country right when the country announced oh, like a nationwide yeah. lockdown uh-huh. and to be continued because tea is too good, <laughs> tea is too good. Um, it rocks my socks off like telling the story because it's i tell i've told it so many times but everyone has said like it's like truly the craziest story I'm telling you, I need to, I want to make a show that's like similar to The Office or Abbott Elementary. And I think like just these little stories, I want to make like just kind of compile everyone's stories together and put it in this show. And it really shows like behind the curtains, like some of the drama that researchers mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. through. I know what my cliffhanger is going to be in the next episode. You're going to see how Carol Lamb handles <laughs> confrontation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay. So guys, um, I have to grab dinner with my lab mates because it is one of my lab mates' birthday. Shuren, if you're listening to this, uh, I will be at your dinner in a couple of minutes. <laughs> all right, guys, we will see y'all later. Thank you so much, Carol. And I will see, I will, I don't know. I will, I'm so bad at ending these. I will see y'all. I will hear y'all next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Welcome back to Two Judgy Girls. I'm Mary from the Bay. And I'm Courtney from L.A. TJG is the podcast where we spill all the tea on your favorite reality TV shows, celebrity gossip, and everything in between. We're here to bring you our unfiltered opinions, hilarious commentary, and plenty of laughs along the way. We're two SDSU Delta Gamma sisters with a microphone and a whole lot of opinions. Each week, we dive headfirst into the wild world of reality television from Bravo to all the trash TV you could want. We break down the drama, dissect the latest scandals, and share our thoughts on everything from the jaw-dropping moments to the embarrassing antics. But that's not all. We're not here to just gossip. We're here to connect with you, the jurors, and share our love of all things pop culture. Whether we're dishing on the latest celebrity breakups, discussing our favorite guilty pleasure movies, or sharing embarrassing stories from our own lives, we promise to keep it real, keep it fun, and keep you coming back for more. Come judge with us. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.